Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Good morning, everybody. This is Marguerite Crispillo, and I am talking today with Chris Smith here on Real Estate Real World. I'm super excited to have him. I read his book a few weeks back on a plane ride from Montana, and I've heard lots of things about him over the years. Pretty brilliant guy. So let me go through and read his bio pretty quick. Chris Smith is a USA Today best-selling author and the co-founder of Curator, a social media, digital marketing, and sales coaching company that helps businesses grow faster. In less than three years, he used the blueprint in his book, The Conversion Code, great book, to grow Curator to over $5 million in annual recurring revenue. Wow. His book has been featured in Forbes, Inc., and by many other publications. Prior, Chris worked for two billionaires, a near-billion-dollar publicly traded company, and a startup that was acquired for $108 million. That's a few zeros. His first book, People Work, raised over $73,000 on Kickstarter, has more than 50,000 copies in circulation, and received endorsements from CEO of Zappos and Gary V, Gary Varnacek, who wrote the foreword. So that is pretty amazing. I also wanted to say a quick quote. This was my favorite quote in your book, Chris. It said, if people like you, they'll listen to you. But if they trust you, they'll do business with you. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You bet. So tell me a little bit about some of the stuff you did before Curator and, and how did you start doing that? And that's primarily for real estate, is it not? But it sounds like you do use Curator for other things. I mean, we're in real estate, so that's why I noticed that part. Sure. Yeah, We right now we work with almost 500 top producing teams around the U.S. and Canada. And we you know do their website, their Facebook ads, their CRM. We coach them on you know the latest marketing and sales tactics. But I would say that our platform and kind of the vision of what we're building, it, it does transcend real estate. We actually use all of our own software to run our company. That's pretty amazing. And, and I know that and um, we don't sell homes. So that's the important part. <laughs> well, we call it eating our own dog food. You know, if you work at a dog food company and you go home and give your dog a different kind of food, you're, you're just a fraud. And unfortunately, a lot of these real estate agents, they call, you know, these companies that sell software and those companies don't even use their own stuff, you know? And so if there's a problem, you know, with one of our clients sites, that just means there's a problem with our site too. But, you know, prior to Curator, the, the reason I started Curator is I would, I was speaking at conferences on behalf of Inman News and Realtor.com and some pretty big brands and you know people basically were kind of fired up with nowhere to go so they would love the things they learned their head would be spinning but then there, there a lot of the top people's first thoughts were like can I just hire you to do this I'm I'm sort of busy and exactly. and, and so we just sort of 
wanted to say yes to that question. You know, I want to focus on people, but I, I want somebody focused on pixels. And so that's where Curator was born. But my, my experience in uh, internet marketing, lead generation, lead conversion, the real estate industry actually started with a company called Quicken Loans, um, oh, yeah? which, you know, they're huge. They have a Super Bowl commercial this year. They're the largest internet lead mortgage company of all time. And I, I got started there, you know, kind of dialing for dollars where some guy would wake up and, you know, be reading Yahoo Finance and he'd see an ad that rates went down and it put him through a little funnel and I'd end up calling him, you know, 30 seconds later. And uh, the the systems and training and strategies and, and focus on production uh, that I learned at Quicken really set the tone for a lot of the things I did after. You know, it's so interesting what you were just saying about going to these events and having all these great ideas and knowing to implement because what came to mind when you said that is everyone has had the experience where you call a company and you get in their forever automated voicemail system mm -hmm. <laughs> and you just want to talk to a human being who can handle it for you, who can who can solve this problem, who can fix this, right? Yeah. Where so many things are being you know, built and created to be so automated. But I think the the truth is exactly what you said is the bottom line is people, they just want some help doing it. Like I could go figure it out all myself, but that's not what I do best. Yeah. Our slogan is help, not hype. And I like that. there's a lot of hype, you know, um, in the real estate industry. So for us, it's, we're very hands-on. We only work with two people per market because we actually do so much work for them. But yeah, I mean, coming from Quicken and then, you know, doing inside sales and then doing outside sales, I think probably where, where a lot of people have screwed up, Marguerite, with the Internet is uh, they never had a focus on the right metrics, which is like your bank account, you know, um, at Quicken Loans. I mean, they have to spend probably three to four thousand dollars per month per rep just to you know, break even. So if the, wow. if the salesperson doesn't sell more than, you know, $3,000 worth of revenue, you know, that salesperson is basically losing the company money. And I think in real estate, because you guys are sort of independent contractors and you don't actually have that base, um, you know, it just really is just a, you know, you have people that are very successful and half the industry that doesn't even use the license that they have. And so right. um, I remember my sales coach one time at, at the first inside sales company I did, even before Quicken Loans, he talked about numbers and, and he said that, you know, when we think about numbers at a sales organization and when I look at the report at the end of each month, the number in the box, like the box that the number's in is only big enough for the number. There's not enough room for excuses. Oh, and, I like that. And so he said, you know, I've never gotten a report that said, you know, Chris sold 18 things, but he wasn't feeling good in week two. <laughs> like, you know, Chris, Chris only sold eight things this month, but uh, his wife was sick and his, his kids were too. There, There's no room for excuses in sales because it's so numbers driven. So then when I sort of became a marketer, if you will, I just I could never look at metrics that were fluffy and get excited because I knew that those kinds of page views, impressions, likes, followers, clicks, 
I, I can I can tell you if those things are going to drive the bottom line or not. And most people just aren't. Well, you know, I love that because I will tell you, I, I teach a lot about numbers, too. And the great thing about numbers is that, like you said, there's no excuses, but they also don't lie. Right. So, you know, as I know, you know, if you run an ad and you get no calls, the problem is the ad. But if you run an ad and you get a bun- bunch of calls and you don't convert any of those calls, the problem is you. Like you need to either work on your skill, your conversation, your scripting. You need to work on something for yep. the most part. It, it, and that's where the it becomes easy to define where exactly the problem is when you look at those numbers. Yeah, think about if you're at Quicken Loans, you have 3,000 people making inside sales calls for you. They're all getting about the same number of leads from the same sources. And the top 10 is always the top 10. Like, why is the top 10 the same every month? They just get lucky every month. You're absolutely right. Once you've nailed the, 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 the funnel where there are leads coming in, and once you've nailed the skill it takes to close a lead, then it's, it's purely a numbers game because, you know, I know there was this guy, Dominic Pelletieri, uh, at my office in Cleveland when I worked for Quicken Loans, and I had never really beat him. I mean, he was always number one every single time. And the the only difference between Dominic and the rest of us that were always in the top five or six was just that he never left his desk. Right. <laughs> That's the only difference. And I was like, you know what? I, I'd rather make like 13000 than 15000 and like not go crazy. Have a little bit yeah, of so <laughs> I was okay with, with being number two in that scenario. But uh yeah, what, what I try to tackle in the book is that we say things like lead gen or lead conversion or CRM or Facebook ads, and you know they, it sounds great, but it, it'd be nice to have a guide. You know, it'd be nice to have some X's and O's. You know, the same way that you can, you know, kind of be taught uh, math uh, or science. I felt like you know I could teach people kind of the science of converting leads. And so explain a little bit to our listeners about what that is. How does, how does that work? And, of course, everyone should go get the book and read the book. But um, give us like a brief synopsis of how that code works in your mind. Sure. I think that there, there are fundamentals that are required to converting Internet leads that you can apply immediately. You know, just if you listen to this podcast, you don't have to buy the book or, or go to any seminars. And, and what I call it is STS selling, which is – you have to be committed to speed, meaning speed to response. Uh, yes. You know, there's basically a 100x decrease in your ability to convert a lead after 30 minutes compared to after five. So you have to have systems and people in place to respond to every new inquiry, you know, ideally within one minute. And if you don't have that in place, you really shouldn't judge the internet quite yet. The second thing is tenacity. Even if you call all of your leads in less than five minutes, only about 48% of them will answer on that first call. So there's uh, some really cool data in the book that Salesforce provided, which is basically that if you'll call a lead six times, instead of calling a lead one time, you'll go from 48% contact rate up to about 93%. So that's what, wow. I, what I call tenacity, right? So you got to be willing to be quick. You got to be tenacious. And then the script part of it is that you have to know 
how the conversation's going to go, what the objections are going to be, what you're going to say to overcome those objections and brick wall statements and things that are going to happen on almost every call. And that's where a script and a framework is, is really critical. The last thing I would add to that is, is if you traditionally, like I, I'm looking at your picture here on Skype, Marguerite, Mm-hmm. And you look great. I mean, your hair looks awesome. Your makeup looks great. You got an awesome suit on. You know, you look like a million bucks. But in inside sales, I don't know what you look like. And you don't know what I look <laughs> like. And like all that sort of physiology is actually very important. There's science behind how people communicate. And 55% of human communication is physiology and verbal uh, visual cues. And so... Uh, when you get on the phone, the other key to kind of really being great at conversion besides speed, tenacity, and a script is your tone. You have to really think about the tone of your voice because words are about 7% of how we communicate. Tone is about 38%. So the the idea that motion creates emotion, the idea that you have to have a positive mental attitude, you want to have a black Labrador mindset that you're happy to hear from anybody. You know, somebody shows up at the door, the dog doesn't care if it's like a tax collector or a package. The dog just gets excited because somebody's at the door. So the the tone of your voice, you almost have to go up a notch because you have this sort of uh, barrier that is a non-visual cue. So it's something for a lot of real estate estate agents especially to keep in mind is you may be great at belly to belly, but those skills may not translate over to the phone. And if you want to get belly to belly with a Zillow lead, would it be fair to say, Marguerite, that you'll probably end up on the phone with them before you do get belly to belly? Absolutely. So that's what it's about. It's about speed, tenacity, using a great script that's proven that, you know, kind of overcomes the objections you'll know that you're going to get. And it's about having a great tone and a positive attitude because that comes through on the phone. I mean, we get calls all the time from salespeople where if, if they get on the phone and it's like, you know, hey, Marguerite, this is Chris. Wah, wah, wah. about these million dollar bills that cost one dollar. It's like, I don't care, man. Shut up. So, you know, the tone is going to be critical. And that's why if you go to like a boiler room environment that I came from, you'll see the people throwing a football to each other. You'll see people pacing in the aisle with kind of a, a, a wireless headset because that motion does create emotion. I think that that's huge is that I've always been an advocate of the tone of your voice, whether that's in on a, on a phone, in person, like a, a huge part of the message is in your tone and paying really close attention that, to that, I think can make the difference. And the other thing that you said is, you know, as we all know, the fortune is in the follow up. And that seems to be where most people that are not successful lack. They make that one phone call and, oh, well, they didn't, they didn't call me back, so I'm going to move on. And I, I love to tell this quick story of, I remember going to this, one of those like uh, jewelry parties or, you know, something like that where they sell the jewelry. And this gal, you know, they're always asking you if you want to have a party. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not having a party. <laughs> I'm not doing it. And finally, somehow she convinced me that, yeah, you should have a party. And I'm like, okay, well, she'll call and I'll flake on her, you know, mm-hmm. kind of because I didn't want to have a party. That gal called me, I swear to you, every single week Mm -hmm. for six months. She was relentless. Like she called me 
every week I, she'd get my voicemail and then she'd call and leave me a mm-hmm. message and then she'd call back and I'd say, oh, I'm busy right now. She'd go, okay, I'll call you back. Six months she followed up until I just said, you know what, you're so good at this that I just have to have a party. <laughs> tenacious, right? She was tenacious. tenacious. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the fortune is in the follow-up. And, you know, you want to find that balance, right, um, between – you know, you, reasons to follow up you might want to get clever with versus like, do you still want to buy? But yeah, I, I think uh, I, I feel the same way. I mean, you can break people down. You can get them to kind of submit into appreciation of your hustle. And and uh, we find that a lot. Like w- when we get a lead on the phone, Marguerite, that's been in our system for two years, and we know that they're kind of recently active on our website or that they've been opening our our most recent emails, you know, we'll just ask them, like, do you have this insight into your business? Like, are we following up better with you than you're following up with your database? And if the answer to that is yes, you just need to pull the trigger, right? So that that, that is a big part of it is um, tenacity. And that's where things like a CRM certainly help, right? I mean, how oh, like I know when you get that call where it's like, hey, Chris, how's it going? How's Lucas? He's going to be turning nine soon, right? And it's like, <laughs> damn, this guy's creepy. But you know what he's doing? He's putting notes in a CRM. And, and he's listening when I tell him stuff about me. And then he's using it when he calls back. To me, that's really smart. So why do you think that this is really one of the areas that agents struggle with the most? I mean, truth be told, most agents don't even have a CRM. I mean, I, I teach around the country like I know you do. And whenever I ask that question, you know, most of them are not necessarily telling the truth, but a big part of the people in the room don't even have a CRM. They're not even following up with anybody. Yeah, I think the main re- I mean, people might want to say it's because it's complicated and they can't figure it out. But the main reason is that most people have an employee mindset, not an owner mindset. And so what do you mean when you say that? Help me understand that. Well, like if you go to work at Curator, if you go to work at like a company, right, where you get a W-2 and you get paid and it's a little bit you know, more traditional than real estate, you know, when, when you get brought into a company like ours, you're not going to go have to sign up for a CRM. You're going to use the one we tell you to. You know what I mean? And I think that uh, that's what a lot of these agents are looking for is they're looking for their broker to sort of give them the tools that like a regular employer would provide. Like at Quicken, Marguerite, I wasn't like shopping which CRM I should use to call the leads at Quicken. They had one. They chose it for yeah. me. They made me use it, and if I didn't use it, I would get fired. But in real estate, it's harder to implement those policies with sort of a non-paid workforce. So, you know, that to me is, uh, you know, when when you get brought onto a Coldwell banker, or when you go work at Keller Williams, or when you kind of blow up the balloon and, and you go over to Remax. When people are newer into the industry, they don't have a CEO mindset. They don't look at it like. I'm now running my own business and anybody running their own business needs a database. They think of themselves as kind of an employee of the brokerage they're at. And they look to them to be that support and infrastructure system, which is usually just a terrible idea because there's like all these political backroom deals and, and the CRM they choose for you is probably not the right one. So it's a combination of mindset that like, if you want to be a business owner, you need a CRM. You can't run your business from Outlook. And I will guarantee you, everybody that tells you they're using Outlook to run their business 
is only working by referral and they're not doing any business on the internet, which is sad. Right. Well, and I know that there's a lot of, of con well, not controversy isn't the right word, but there seems to be like one side or the other when it comes to internet leads in that some people are, Oh, that's a waste of money and time. And then there are people who are making a killing at it. And so the difference seems to be, I think, I agree with you on the part about running your business like a business and even the CRM. So the CRM, I have always felt like it's a problem if you are actually using the company CRM, because if you decide not to stay with that company, now it changes the dynamics of everything, right? Yeah, you definitely want to at least be aware of that and, and what the kind of terms of service of using that are. But yeah, I think that the, you know, the real reason that people don't like a CRM is because it just tells them who to call. And they just don't like to call. So they blame the CRM. Oh, that's very true. So what what keeps them from calling? What keeps them from picking up the phone yeah. and making those calls? Well, and it's and, a big and, part of fear, right? Well, and you, as you said, with internet leads, right? So the the some of the stats that are very uh, worth noting here is that there are uh, about eight to ten times more leads than sales in real estate. Okay. So in any given year, you're going to have five to 6 million sales, but we're now at the point where there's like 40 to 50 million leads. It's about eight leads for every sale. So wow. the challenge really just becomes finding the needles in the haystack, but that's not a terrible ratio. Like if you told me that seven people are going to hang up on me and one person is going to buy a house from me, I will make those calls all day long. It's a no-brainer. But if you go into calling Internet leads and, and kind of calling a new kind of a modern consumer and you expect it's going to be like when you call Jenny who got referred to you from Sally, you're wrong. It's different. So it, the numbers game we talked about earlier, at Quicken Loans, if I made 100 dials, I would end up talking to five people. I would end up pulling three credit reports. I would end up writing two loans and one would close. I mean, that was just how it works. So like, can you imagine if I was like, I don't want to call these 95 people that don't answer. Like, but I did want the $20,000 commission checks. Right. right. So it's really, you, you know, it is kind of an old adage of sort of, it's how you get through the nose much more so than how you handle the yeses. And this is why at least a lot of our customers and, you know, I'm a business owner. I am one of the best people at inside sales in the world. I know that. And I don't do it anymore because Neil and Sarah and Darren for my team, that is now their job and their focus. And so I'm able to focus more on marketing and business development. So if you sort of like before you even put the headset on to like call leads, if you feel the way you feel when you wake up and have to go to the gym, then you have to find someone else to do that. And I would say, I think we're at the point now where 70, 80% of our clients actually have a dedicated inside sales associate whose only job is to call the leads, qualify them and schedule appointments because that, is really what's going to happen anyway. People aren't going to buy a house over the phone anyway. The sale for you guys is just an appointment. 
And so even there was some stats from Zillow. I heard Tom Ferry talking about this where Zillow started calling the leads for agents and basically kind of obeying the conversion code, if you will. And they went from, you know, 14% of the leads becoming appointments to almost 50 overnight. Wow. So it really is kind of a STS mindset that you have to have. But the reality is that, you know, people who dial for dollars, you know, you don't want to outsource that role. We say you want to insource that role. But you also want to tie their comp plan to the ultimate thing that matters, right, which is, you know, it's not about setting appointments. It's about creating gross commission income. And so, you know, usually that kind of lead uh, calling role is a hybrid between a small base salary and then bonuses based on performance. Well, and so one thing that I heard you say, too, that I think is worthy of noting is You've done this, right? So the the difference, too, is that you now have people who can do it for you, but a big part of your time was spent you figuring it out and you doing it yourself so you knew what actually worked. And I think sometimes with agents, they think, well, I'll just I, – I don't need to really know how that works. I'll just go hire someone. And I'm not, I'm not saying you need to go in and figure it all out in detail, but you at least know how to make the phone calls and at least know how to have that conversation do you think that that's important for agents to know? Like if you're someone relatively new, how, what are, you, what are your thoughts yeah. on going right out and hiring an ISA without you having done it first? Well, if you can't afford it, that's a good indicator that you shouldn't do it. Like if you're okay. like worried about your you know, mortgage or rent this month, you know, the ISA is not your route, period. I mean, you, you know, just not a smart human decision there. I think the key here is you're right. I came from the restaurant industry uh, before I got into real estate. And, you know, I, I thought I was taking on this sort of glamorous, like general manager position at a sports bar. And what I learned very quickly is that your job is simply every job. You're the cook, you're the cleaning crew, you're yeah. the server, you're the bartender, and you have to do all the other stuff that you thought you were going to do. And I, I think that it, it, you're 100% right that if you're going to ask someone else to wear a hat for you, you have to have worn it yourself. But here's the problem, Marguerite. Realtors wear every hat, and then they never take any of them off. So true. So true. So this is a lot about being willing to let go, being willing to let Neil or Darren right now have a conversation about my company that I know I would be better at having. That's how you scale. Yeah, I think that that's so important. And what keeps people from getting in that overwhelm mode, I guess, you know, it's like we talked about early in the conversation, they go to these events, they come back, they got a million things they're trying to, to do and implement and just figuring out what's the best way to go. They just get overwhelmed. And so, of course, then when they get overwhelmed, they do nothing. And I guess that's a, a little bit of the dilemma of a lot of these big conferences. And, and a hard part of the conferences, too, is you go up there and you see these people who are selling 500, 800 homes a year, and it just sounds so mm -hmm. far out there from what the average agent does. Yeah, I think the the way to keep from getting overwhelmed. This is something we talk a lot about in my first book that I wrote with the CEO of Dotloop, Austin, which was the book is called People Work. 
the way that you keep from getting overwhelmed in your business is that you actually know your purpose. So like as an example, at dot loop, and I don't work there anymore. They were acquired by Zillow for 108 million. That was sort of my uh, wow. cue to exit stage left. And, you know, the people work message really worked. I mean, the people work message, I, I, I know drew Zillow to dot loop and, what people work stands for, there's 10 principles in the book, but the, the one that you're kind of hitting on here is purpose before technology. And what you have to understand is what is your purpose as a, as a business? And so like Hidat Loop, our purpose statement was people work, not paperwork. We, our purpose is to help people work better together. Okay. And when you have that sort of easy to remember purpose statement, the ability to select technology and the ability to kind of choose a marketing platform or a social media channel, it gets really easy. So as an example, this lady calls up one time. I'm sure a lot of people called and asked this question, but she, she said, hey, you know, uh, your, your faxing functionality is really falling behind, you know. Uh, you know, you guys haven't made an update to the fax thing. And every time I send one, here's what happens. It's just all screwed up. And when, you know, and the, the answer to that at a lot of companies, Marguerite would be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me talk to our team and we'll get that fixed for you. Right. And that creates a lot of work that creates a lot of headaches. That, that is a company that doesn't know its purpose at dot loop. Our purpose was to help people work better together. And we believed that faxing did not enable that purpose. So we were okay saying that there would be no improvements to the faxing functionality moving forward. In fact, it may go away. It's funny that you said that because I literally just today got a renewal thing in the mail for my my email fax, my fax yeah. or whatever it was. <laughs> and I was literally like a half hour ago, I got that email. I'm like, I don't think I need to renew that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, I don't need that. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah, and it, it, the there, there's another story about Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs and Apple, their purpose was to put a dent in the universe. And um, they were getting a lot of heat for not supporting Flash, you know, back when they first started the iPhone. But yeah. they knew that that would drain the battery faster. It would uh, basically create a really bad app ecosystem. And it would allow kind of a lot of garbage into the app store because they couldn't really see what the app looked like in Flash. So anyway, if you know your purpose, you should easily be able to go to a conference, come back, take all your great ideas, and then put them next to your purpose. Do, do these technologies and these strategies, do they help people work better together? Right. And like at Curator, our our purpose statement is help, not hype. And so when we look at a cool new integration or a software that came out that our clients may want, you know, we could care less if it's cool. We're sick of hype. Will it actually help their business? And if it doesn't, we don't invest in it. So I think, uh, I guess the answer there, Marguerite, is if you're feeling overwhelmed by a million things, focus on one thing instead. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that how I actually connected a little bit with you is because my, my good friend, Amanda Todd, is a customer of your guys's, 
and she has done phenomenal using your system. And, you know, in her first, I think, 18 months or something, she did like $20 million. So she's she's a big advocate for you guys. Yeah, and, she, I know and she's, she's a single been, mom of three kids who, who came yeah. to us and said, hey, I don't, I've never worked in the industry. I think I'm going to be great at it, but I've got this check and I, I want to sign up for this. And we said, no, like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, we don't work with new <laughs> agents. We don't work with solo agents. And, you know, I didn't want to be the guy – uh, you know, where the money's coming to me, not to her kids. I mean, it was, she was in a, a very tough situation that she's talked about publicly and we wrote an yes. article about on our site. Um, but I felt that fire, Marguerite. I'm like, man, if you're going to go out and you're going to spend six months or 12 months worth of this money on, on Zillow or on something else, like I do feel good that we can do, we can at least do everything in our power to make you successful as fast as we can. And so I just tried to set the right expectation, but, um, man, what an awesome story, you know? Yeah. We did a great podcast with her too. One, uh, one of our pod- early podcasts was with her. She's, she's fantastic. And I know you guys have a podcast as well, right? Called water cooler. Yeah, we have a podcast called Water Cooler, which is, uh, you know, has almost 7 million minutes watched on YouTube. So if you go to YouTube and search Curator Water Cooler, you'll find over 100 shows. It's in iTunes. People absolutely love it. We drink a beer. We cuss. Very laid back. <laughs> uh, we've really built kind of a cult following around that show. And I, I've got two books and an awesome company and I've worked for some really cool companies, but every time I travel and every person I see on the road, uh, the water cooler just gets brought up the most, you know, I love the show and it's, you know, 79 year old women that, that love yeah. the show, which, which, uh, you wouldn't think that would be the right demo, but I think if our show is, is popular for any one reason. It's that this industry is so full of bullshit that people appreciate a couple guys that just keep it real. Exactly. Well, and that's a lot of what, you know, we've been trying to do here in the real estate real world too. It's like, what's really happening? You know, people go through a lot of the hype, but I love your podcast. I subscribe to it. I wanted to get on your webinar last night, but I had dinner plans. So I'm hoping you guys recorded that. Um, but I think that what you're doing is some really cool stuff. We haven't got to meet in person, but I'm looking forward to uh, connecting with you, hopefully at a conference or at an event. Do you have any last words you'd like to give our listeners today? No, I, I like this format. I really just feel like we had a conversation that people got to listen into. You know, I, I think that um, the, the, the audience that you're attracting here, Marguerite, that's looking for just sort of unfiltered, unscripted, it, it is a similar audience to us. And, you know, I think what I want your listeners to leave with is like, you're not alone. Like there's this huge community of thousands of people like myself and Marguerite and the other Marguerite and Amanda and Jimmy. Yeah. And so if you're sort of, you know, in Omaha, Nebraska, and you love all this stuff, but you're almost getting looked down on by your colleagues. We're here for you. There's a huge community of passionate people that are convinced that we're right. And that this old school sort of uh, good old boy network that's, you know, run the industry forever is wrong. And I I think it's an exciting time to be in this industry. I I have agents all the time that say, you know, Chris, before all this tech stuff and before all the social media stuff, you know, I just kind of got up and did the same thing every day. And now 
I'm excited. There, there's always a new app or a new idea or a new strategy or a new webinar or a new podcast. And, you know, I, I love being in the industry now more than I ever have. And I, I think that people listening to this probably feel the same way. I know that I truly believe that 2016 right now is the best time in the history of human beings to be alive. And I'm excited about that. Oh, you know what? I don't even know if I can add to that. That is so that is so true. I mean, just the ability that you and I could connect. I mean, 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been really as much of an option unless I'd have been somewhere, you know, some event. But you're in, where are you? You're in New York somewhere, right? Uh, I was in Brooklyn for four years. I'm back in Orlando. But yeah, I mean, this okay. call, if this would have been a phone call 10 years ago, it would have cost us about $1,300 long distance. <laughs> So true. And now we could do it on Skype. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, oh, I really have to add five more dollars to my Skype account. I can't believe it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on and keep fighting the good fight. I appreciate it. I love your show. Thank you so much. Go out and make it a great day. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, hop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.